Good afternoon, y'all. 11.45 crew. Yeah. Um, good to see y'all. My name is Alvin. For those of you here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor here at Nashville Life. And honored that you're spending this... 11.45 is funny because we start off saying good morning, but halfway we got to start saying good afternoon because it's 12.15 now. So this morning slash afternoon... Uh, I'm glad that y'all are here. Uh, man, we've got a big month ahead. October is big for our church. 21st of October is our family fall fest. The 28th, mark your calendars or save the date, I should say. If you want to get involved in our monthly serve days, our next one is October 28th. We're partnering up with our friends at People Loving Nashville. We've got a great project coming up. It's on the 28th, so if you're interested, just plan to be available for Saturday from 10 to 2 or just even a little bit of that time if you can't make the whole thing. We've got details to come, but I wanted you to know that next serve day is the 28th of October. And then the 29th, we've got child dedications and water baptism. So a lot of exciting things. If you want to be involved in any or all of that, uh, just let us know. we got our Next Steps booth in the lobby, and uh, we'll, ha we'll be happy to connect you and whatever it is you want to get plugged into. But I'm excited for the series of October. Uh, before we get into it, I like to do this declaration before we get into Scripture, uh, just to prepare our minds and prepare our hearts for what God is going to say through the Word. So repeat these words after me if you can. Say, the Word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. Well, the series title for October is Under Pressure. Under Pressure is what we're talking about the month of October. And this month is going to be a study on how to see the pressures of life as opportunities, uh, opportunities to develop who you are and to glorify God and to ultimately make a difference in the lives of those around us. Uh, James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So instead of dreading and fearing trials or, or pressuring situations, uh, the Lord actually leads us in a way where we can perceive these, these pressures as opportunities to develop, to make us complete in who we are and who God has called us to be, and ultimately making a difference in the lives of others. I was doing uh, some dishes the other day, and there was, uh, by the way, um, congratulations, Grand Cali. They just got married a couple days ago. I didn't know y'all were going to be here. Way to go. Way to go, being at church. Beautiful wedding, man. Didn't expect to see y'all, so blessing to see you. God bless you. Congratulations. Let's get back into it. Um, 
I was doing dishes, and there was a cup of coffee from the day before, and it had kind of dried a little bit, and the coffee had kind of gotten thick, and I was trying to clean out the cup. So I filled the cup with water, and uh, since coffee was in the cup, a lot of dark water came out of the cup, uh, like the color of the coffee. But the more water I was pouring into the cup, the more coffee left the cup, and that color of water that was coming out uh, went from a very dark brown to like a, a lighter brown. And, and the more water, you, you saw this progression where the color started getting lighter and lighter, and it was just about clear. Then there was a standstill where it stayed this like ginger ale type color, like a light, clear, but not totally clear color that was coming out of the cup. And I realized that there was like a, a stubborn part of some like dried coffee at the bottom of the cup. So I, I actually turned up the pressure on the water and, and let the pressure of the water uh, kind of uh, flush out the remaining part of coffee that was in the cup. And before I knew it, there was a, a pure, clear water that was flowing out of the cup. And I really do believe that this is a picture of what our lives could look like if we learn to uh, handle and respond to pressure uh, properly. Uh, there is, wait one second. There are three steps that I want to uh, encourage you guys on how to see this happen in your life uh, as far as this progression of, of kind of tainted water coming from your, your cup or your life and, and moving into what will be pure living waters coming out of your life, even when you're in pressuring times. Uh, in case you guys don't know, when you come to Jesus and he fills you with his spirit, we were all full of things before we were filled with God's spirit. And those things were, were not holy at all. And, and I would go as far to say that when you come to Jesus and you're filled with his spirit, there's still some impurities still in your life that um, are active or dormant, but, but it's still there, which is why we have scriptures where Paul is talking to the church a spirit-filled church, spirit-filled people still telling them to stop lying and stop stealing and stop fornicating because though we're filled with the spirit, there's still some things that are in there from before we met Jesus. So there's a process where the Lord allows the pressures of life to sort of press out the impurities and the sins that are still in our lives. Um, nothing reveals what's inside of you more than pressuring situations. Almost like when you have a piece of fruit, when you press it, whatever's inside comes out. So if there's bitterness inside of you, all it takes is the right pressure and you're going to see bitterness come out. If there's joy and peace inside of you, those things are going to come out. So if, if you're at a place in your walk where you go through pressing times and blessings and bliss don't come out of your mouth, I want you guys to be encouraged. It just means that the process is still happening. And I believe that if you continue to, to do the following steps that I'm going to tell you, you're going to start seeing those, those pressing moments and those pressing times draw out 
godliness and righteousness and purity and glory from your life instead of what was coming out before. So the three steps are very simple. To see this progression happen in your life, to see this purifying process happen in your life, you got to learn how to do three things. Step one is repent. Repent means to just turn away from your sin and turn to God. It's important to do both. A lot of times when we repent, we think repent is just trying to remove sin from our lives, but you can't do it properly without also turning to God. So you repent, which means turning away from whatever sin is in your life or whatever sin that God is revealing that is still in your heart and turning to Jesus. Step two is equally important, and that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason why my cup that I had that I was washing was able to become pure, because not only was coffee coming out, but fresh water was getting in. And so often, guys, when we, when we turn from sin or we repent and we don't restore our lives with the Holy Spirit, what happens is we leave a void in our lives. And if we don't fill that void up, it's just a matter of time before we end up turning back to the very sin that we turned away from, which is why we must always not just be repent, not just repent, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, filling up those gaps and those voids where sin used to be with God. That's a very important detail. And then step three is repeat steps one and two. And that really is the progression. This is how it looks in a believer's life. You've got, you've got some anger. You've got some, you've got some bitterness in your life. And, and a situation happens where you realize that it's in there. Something comes out of your mouth. Maybe a bitter word or, or cursing comes out. And you realize, oh, man, I didn't know that was still in me. So you repent and say, Father, forgive me. But then you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and replace that bitterness with his Holy Spirit. And the over, over time... The more you do this, if you continue repeating steps one and two, if you continue repenting and being filled with the Holy Spirit, then just like that cup that was in my dishes, you will see over time, if you continue, you will see a, a, a level of being filled with God's Spirit that even the most difficult times for you, even the most pressing, testing times in your life will produce glory. It will, it will make a difference in the lives of others. You'll be a blessing not just when things are going your way, but you'll be a blessing when things aren't going your way. When you're full of God's Spirit, the times where you're pressed are the times that you actually produce the most glory for God. So that's the destination that God wants us. He's, he's, he's leading all of us to that level of being filled with his spirit. So, so repent, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then do it all over again. Repeat steps one and two, and you do that until you realize, and you'll know it too, the same things that used to draw out cursings from your life or curses from your life, the same trials will come a couple years later, and while it used to make you curse, now it makes you bless God. Or, or the same pressing that used to draw out darkness from your heart now draws out light. The same tests and trials that used to draw out impurities now seem to draw out uh, pure life and, and, and joy and, and things that just don't even make sense. Like that's what happens when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit and continues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm covering different pressures this month. I'm going to talk about different forms of pressure, different ways you can experience pressure in your life. And the pressure that I'm going to talk about today is the pressure of conviction, particularly conviction of sin. Uh, conviction is when one is made aware of his or her sin with the intent that they repent. I'm going to read that one more time. I think it's on the screen. Conviction is when one is made aware of his or her sin with the intent that they repent. Uh, Conviction is, is, is a, it's a pressuring experience. Some people describe it as a, a tug on your heart or, or some sort of pressing on, and you just, you, you sense that God has, has his hand and his eyes on you. But it's, it's, not, in a, it's not the same act as condemnation. Uh, the important part of that definition is conviction is making one aware of your sin with the intent that they repent. Conviction from God is always leading you to improve. It's always leading you to repent. It's always coupled with mercy and grace, which is very different than condemnation. A lot of times people confuse conviction with condemnation because they do share a common ground. Both point out your mistakes and point out your sin, but one does it with mercy and grace, with the intention that you turn and get better, and the other one is meant to make you feel even worse about yourself and get even deeper in a hole than you were before. They're very different. Today, it's not about condemnation. Condemnation does not come from God. However, conviction does. Um, another way you can look at it is condemnation is uh, pointing the finger and and. Conviction is shining a light, shining a light, revealing what's inside of you that needs to change, things that are hurting you, things that are hurting your family and hurting your friends and your business and your relationships. Uh, it's a very different thing. And when conviction comes, it's always coupled with mercy and with grace. And it's not something that we should be afraid of. In fact, my prayer is that we see it as the blessing that it is before we leave here in, in a few minutes. To, to give us an example on a positive way to respond to conviction, we want to talk about uh, King David today. David was a man of faith. He was a man of God. He was a man of courage. He was a man of valor. Uh, he, was, he was an awesome man, but he was a man. And he had issues. He had still had issues. And, and like us, the pressures of life and, and situations seemed to reveal things that were still uh, unrighteous and unholy in his life. Uh, he was king of Israel, and Israel was in the middle of a war. So it wasn't uh, a peaceful time in Israel. They were at war, and David, instead of being out with his men... He was at home. He stayed at home one day, and he happened to see a woman taking a, a bath on the roof of her house. Her name was Bathsheba, and he had lust for this woman and gave orders for his servants to bring Bathsheba to his quarters, and he committed adultery with this woman. This woman was married to a man named Uriah who was uh, off at war. He was away uh, fighting ironically fighting for King David, 
And in battle, while, and while he was away, this happened. And to make matters even more complicated, Bathsheba tells King David that she uh, is pregnant with, with King David's son, with King David's child. And, and, and David had to come up with a plan, or he tried to come up with a plan to sort of cover his tracks. So his plan was, let me summon for Uriah to come back for like a day and have a meeting with me. And, and, and Uriah came and they had a meeting. And after the meeting, he said, Uriah, you should go and enjoy the night. Go home to your wife. Spend the night with your wife before you go back to battle. And, and Uriah was a man of conviction. And he said, uh, I don't feel like that it's right for me to go and enjoy a night with my wife while my men are still away at war and they're sacrificing uh, time from their families. And I just, in solidarity, I'm just going to sleep outside. And David was not expecting this response. This was not a part of his plan. David's plan was for Uriah to spend a night with Bathsheba so that she can say that was the night that she got pregnant and that the baby was Uriah's and not King David. But since Uriah didn't go along with David's plan, everything was messed up. So he had to go to a plan B, a much more sinister plan B. And that plan B was to uh, order for Uriah to fight on the front lines to where it was likely for him to die. So... David manipulated the situation where Uriah was killed in battle and makes Bathsheba a widow and marries Bathsheba. and They become husband and wife, and she gives birth to this, this child. That's what's happened when we read what we're about to get into, which is 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb, ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him, this lamb. Verse 4, and a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Verse 5 says, so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. I told the last service, this is one time where saying you're the man was not a positive thing. Usually that's a positive thing. It was not, you do not want to be the man. 
in this situation. And in this case, David was the man, the man that he had just got angry about and said, this man deserves to die. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but when you're king of Israel, you're pretty rich. And he had all of these possessions. He had wives. He had concubines. He had all the women that he could ever want. And instead of it being content with the wealth and the um, abundance that he had, he chose to steal the one thing that this good man Uriah had. Took his wife. Took Uriah's life. There's one section where God says, David, if you wanted more, you could have asked me. I would have given you more. But instead of being content or even going to God and asking for more, he chose to steal the one thing that belonged to Uriah. And then on top of that, took Uriah's life. The pressure of conviction. It's tough being faced with your stuff. It's tough being confronted with the raw truth of what you've done. No one likes it. It's pressuring to see your actions without any filters, without any sugar coats, just blatantly seeing what it is that you've done against God. So David had this moment. Verse 13 shows how he responded. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Remember I told you guys that conviction from God is always coupled with mercy? This is the mercy of God. Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. And it's amazing Mercy, we deserve so much for what we've done. And God does not give us what we deserve. That's his mercy. David, according to his own judgment to Nathan, David deserved, deserved death. But God says, even though, even out of your own mouth, you judge that death is the rightful sentence for what you've done, but I'm not going to kill you. You will not die and I'm also going to take away this sin that you committed. That's the mercy of God, and that's what all of us have access to through Jesus Christ. It is amazing. But that's not it. Second Samuel 12, same chapter, verse 14 through 15. Nathan says, however, because, this, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child uh, also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. This is what we call mercy with consequences. There is not a sin that has been committed in this room. I mean, I'm talking about the worst one, the one that nobody knows. There is nothing that you've done that the mercy of God won't forgive you. God's mercy will cover every sin that you've ever committed, both internally, things you've thought about, and things that you've actually done. However, like Nathan said, however, 
Many of us can attest in this room that there are still consequences for the mistakes that we make. David was forgiven. He was shown mercy, but there was consequences. There were consequences for his actions. And unfortunately, in this case, the consequences was his son that he had with Bathsheba became very ill. And while the baby was sick, David began to fast and pray every day. He wouldn't eat, and he'd be on his face praying that his son would live. And during his fasting and praying, verse 19 happened. It says, when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord. And he worshiped. Imagine following that news with the choice to go to God's house and worship. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. He broke his fast. He had been fasting. He responds to the consequences of his sin with worship. Of all the ways a human being could choose to respond to this news, David chose to worship. To worship the God who showed mercy to him and the God that allowed this horrible consequence. He chose to worship God. Verse 24, there was one more thing. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, who had just lost her baby too, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son. She had a second son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. So God brought conviction to David for his sin. He messed up bad. He messed up real bad. And God confronted him with conviction, and he responded with repentance. He didn't deflect. He didn't shift the blame to somebody else. He didn't deny. He didn't try to cover up. He didn't run away. He owned up to his mistakes and said, I have sinned against the Lord. He repented. God showed mercy, revealed, uh, removed his sin. And then revealed some consequences that were going to come. And when those consequences were fulfilled and his son passed, he responded in worship. He could have responded in rebellion. He could have responded in hopelessness. He could have responded by just crawling into a hole and getting in a fetal position and never coming out of his house. But instead, he ran to the same God that showed him mercy. Guys, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's not the issue. 
It's how do you respond when the Lord brings conviction to your life. That's what separates us. We've, we all sin. We've all done it. But what separates the saints from the sinners are those who respond to conviction the way that this man David responded, with repentance, choosing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what worship represents. Whenever you worship God, you're, you're offering yourself to him. You are emptying, emptying yourself when you worship God. You're pouring out your time, your energy, your, your resources. You're, you're pouring out your praise. Worship is an offering. You're offering God everything you have in that moment. And the beautiful thing about worship is whenever you offer God and you lose anything for him, he is faithful to restore and replenish everything that you've poured out. Which is why worship is such a gift. Which is why we encourage you guys. Sometimes We know that some of you guys aren't used to expressing yourself in worship. We know. We know what's happening here. But, but we also know the blessing in stepping outside and, and, out, and stepping outside yourself and, and pouring out what you have to God. And we know that anybody, anybody who worships, who pours out, who loses, who gives themselves to God, he will replenish and restore your life. And, and when he restores you, he doesn't just restore you to the level that you were before you poured it out. David says, my cup runs over. He will actually pour more than what you had before. Which is why the Lord says we need to count these situations as joy. Because if you really understand the power of being under pressure and, and going through these difficulties and responding in repentance and, and worship and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you, that's where the transformation actually happens. And that's where you will actually leave that trial with more than what you had before the trial came. This is only something that people of God can understand. This is only something that the people of God live to experience. David responded with repentance, with worship, accepting the consequences for his mistakes like a real man. What he did was horrible, but the way he responded was perfect. It's all about how we respond to the conviction. So the Lord restored him like he always does. He restored him. He filled him back up with his presence. And a part of that restoration, we read, God blessed David and Bathsheba with a second son who was named Solomon. And for those of you who don't know, Solomon went on to be what the Bible called the wisest man, an incredible king, and he took the kingdom of Israel further than David ever could. He did things greater than David. So that means no matter what you've done, guys, no matter what you have committed, no matter what sin has been in your life or even actively in your life today, if you can dare to respond to the Lord's conviction with repentance and with worship, he will restore your life and that not only will he save your life, but he will still use you and your family and your children to further the kingdom of God. And it won't be, and it won't be because, amen, 
And it won't be because you did everything perfectly. But when the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on you and, and the Lord revealed to you your sin like Nathan did to David, if you respond with repentance and allow him to fill you with his spirit, you will eventually get to the point in time where you will say the words of David, my cup runs over. The Lord has restored me and I somehow am better now than I was before I messed up. I'm better now than before the situation. How, how, God, how? That's the God that loves you. That's the God that, that I'm encouraging you all to run to. The enemy wants you to run away. He wants you to run away because you messed up. Don't do that. Don't give in to that temptation to back away from God. Run to the one who's got the mercy. And yes, some of you guys, I get it. You're afraid of the consequences. And consequences aren't fun. But I promise you, whatever consequences come from your sin, there is nothing that you will lose that God is not able and willing to replenish and restore. David lost a son, but God gave him another. Some of you guys, I don't know, maybe the consequences is you, you lose your job. God is able to give you another. Maybe you lose your your relationship. God is able, God is able to restore. And I know it can be scary, but this is the time where you have to trust that the God that's allowing this loves you. And he's got major plans for you. When God has his hand on your life, the call of God that he has for you is irrevocable. If you allow him to restore your life, your cup will run over. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might be a process. But if you can endure, and like the scripture says, let steadfastness have its full effect. Don't give up, guys. Allow the process. Continue to repent. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. And just watch what God does in your life and through your life. Let's pray. God, we love you, we honor you, we praise you, we acknowledge that you are a God of mercy, you are a God of grace. Lord, your word says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Lord, so every person in this room who is feeling the conviction of sin, God, let them not run away. Let them not fear. Let them not shrink back. Let them not uh, distract themselves or stop the process or abort the process. Lord, let them go through it with courage, with faith. God, and allow them to experience your mercy, your grace, your restoration your healing. You are a good God. And yes, though our actions come with consequences, Lord, let us believe this afternoon 
that you are strong enough and able enough to restore our lives. Let us trust you as we undergo a, a transformation from being full of sin to being full of your Holy Spirit. God, and I just thank you in advance for people who get to the point where the pressures of life draw out your goodness and your holiness and your fruit of the Spirit. And Lord, you called us to be difference makers in the world, God. And I know that you want to use us and you want to even take the pressures that we go through to produce your glory in our lives and through our lives, Lord. Lord, let everyone know that you have not forgotten about them, that you still have plans for them. And if we just endure the process, we will see that your grace and your mercy is amazing. So I thank you, God, in Jesus' name. I want to ask us all to stand. Some of you guys are feeling that conviction. Let it happen. Don't numb yourself to it. Don't distract yourself from it. Don't suppress it. Don't brush it to the side. Allow the conviction of God to have its full work in your life. Own up to it. Men, own up to it. Ladies, own up to it. Don't blame somebody else. Don't say it was because of this, because of that. Say, ah, yes, this, is, this sin is in me. And if the Lord is gracious enough to reveal it to you without judgment, that means he has plans for you on the other side of this mistake. Be encouraged. Take it with courage. Today I'm going to lead us in a prayer before we go. I'm going to ask those who were assigned to, to pray and minister to come down front. This is our prayer team. And um, after we pray this prayer, I'm going to give everybody a chance to, to make things right with God. And if you need prayer, just come on down before you leave. We're about to dismiss. Even though the service is ending, I believe the Holy Spirit, uh, the work that he's doing in you is not finished yet. So as you leave, just still stay sober and allow God to do what he wants to do regarding the sin that's in your life. Repeat these words after me and then we'll dismiss. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So this is when you respond with worship.
God, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you so much, Father. Like I said, this team is here to pray for you. So if you need prayer for anything, don't be shy. This team is here. They love God. They love you. So if there's something you want to confess, something you want to get off your chest, please let God do his work. Let him bless you through prayer. Otherwise, guys, I'm so glad y'all were here. We have uh, ways to connect with our church. You can text the word BELONG to 77411. It's a real easy way to find out what's happening at Nashville Life. And then in a few minutes, we have next steps. I would love for as many of you all to stay if you can. We're going to be in the third floor. We're just going to share about the vision of the church and what we're about. You can learn more about us and make a decision uh, after the, the meeting's over if you want to get more involved with Nashville Life. We would love to know you. We love making new friends here at Nashville Life and growing the family. If you would like to give, thank you in advance. You can either give online or our team can serve you in the lobby. But I love you. I pray that you have a great rest of the day. Remember that these people are here to pray if you need prayer for anything. Otherwise, enjoy your week and we'll see y'all for week two of Under Pressure next Sunday.